The Dr. Coffee Podcast is proudly brought to you by IndemniMed. Welcome to this week's episode of the Dr. Coffee Podcast. In today's episode, I sat down with Stefan Boothma and Werner Hatting, the founders of Money and Medicine, financial advisors who specialize in assisting final year medical students and young health professionals to plan their financial future and lay a foundation early on to achieve their financial goals. We're discussing common mistakes that newly qualified interns and even other ranks of doctors can make in their finances and other areas of their lives. This is a topical episode and also a timely one as we are entering the final quarter of the year which is typically when each year's fresh crop of interns are finalizing their end of medical school exams or preparing to move on to community service from internship or preparing for new medical officer posts and so on. To everyone applying for government posts using the ICSP website, we wish you the best of luck. May you all get placed in your first choice, and failing that, may you find placement in the best possible place you never knew you needed. If you're young, enthusiastic, and can be placed anywhere, may I recommend that you embrace the adventure of being placed outside of your comfort zone as simply another challenge that will prepare you to be the best doctor you possibly can be. Before we dive into this week's conversation, I'd like to draw your attention to one of our sponsors on the podcast who've recently committed to a long-term relationship with us. If you're setting up your own medical practice or you need some help with your current one, then listen up. V Professional Services are the medical billing and practice management professionals that make running your practice super simple. Think cloud-based solutions, think tax and legal advice, IT support, submission of all your claims to medical aids, and much, much more. Over the past two months, we were pleased to have V Professional Services as sponsors of the Dr. Coffee podcast. V Professional Services believe in us, the future healthcare leaders in South Africa. And you're going to hear a lot more from them because they have decided to come alongside us as our official medical billing sponsors. You can check them out at the easy to remember URL vprofservices.com as well as in our link tree in our Instagram bio. Thank you V Professional Services for your continued support of this podcast. And now to this week's conversation. I hope you enjoy it and get a lot from it. Remember, we're all on a journey and we're never the finished product. So if you'd like to share some wisdom with those coming after you or let us know about learning your own lessons through mistakes you've made, be sure to email us or post in the comments for this episode on YouTube where you can find the entire interview up in 4K quality video. Without further ado, here is Stefan Boothma and Werner Hatting. Welcome to the Dr. Coffee Podcast, your weekly blend of motivation, encouragement, education, and insight into all things medicine for junior doctors and medical students in South Africa. Today, I'm joined in the studio by Stefan Boethma and Werner Hatzing, the gents from Money and Medicine. Welcome, guys. Hi, thanks. Hi, thanks. Man. It's a long overdue um, podcast. We've been planning this for quite some time, so it's, yeah. it's nice to actually have you in the studio. Yeah, so I must say it's been wonderful to kind of grow in the podcasting space and this is definitely the the best setting that we've recorded an episode in. Usually it's in a, a consulting room somewhere or even in a doctor's break room with a microphone kind of just smuggled in between the, t- uh, the, the doctor that I'm interviewing awesome. and myself. So this is very professional. <laughs> I'm going to do my best to to do it justice. No, no. And thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. We know you run a very a very busy schedule. I think I want to kick us off by by basically just asking the question, why Dr. Coffee? How did you get to the name? How did that start? Um, I know we've been we've been working together for quite some time, but I would love to to maybe get some some detail into into Dr. Coffee. Yeah, that's a great question and um and I'd love answering it first of all. So um, without going into too much detail, <coughs> medicine was always always my dream, um, but it didn't always pan out that I could go into medicine, right? So I applied it at high school. I did first aid and all the community service hours and whatever, but didn't get into medicine. And one of my first jobs actually was in the service industry. So from the time that I was a teenager, I was waitering at events, uh, eventually did some bartending, and eventually was also a mixologist for a mobile bar service. Uh, what I really particularly enjoyed doing was the, the coffee stations. Um, we did big events where we would like have espresso machines running for a thousand people at a wedding kind of thing, you know. Um, and that was an opportunity 
in its own right because it gave me skills as a student while I was still doing my BSc, right? I, I still had the dream to get into medicine. But I was building skills in other areas. I was building people skills. I was building service skills. And when medicine looked like a bridge too far, um, an opportunity came up to enter full-time ministry at my church, ironically, like working in the coffee shop. Now, you must picture my poor mom, right? She's educated this fine young man the best she could, and he has dreams of being a doctor, which he lays on the altar and sacrifices to go into ministry, of all things, to make coffee. <laughs> so, so, so I was now working at the coffee shop at church, um, and that was my roots. And I think that's one thing that I never want to forget is the lessons that I learned along that journey. Um, I'm older now than many of my peers. I'm 38 years old. I, I became an intern doctor the year that I turned 37. Working with 24, 25, 26-year-old doctors, there's a lot to be said for some life experience and for like a little bit of sickle, yeah, <laughs> you know, so, a little yeah. bit of struggle yeah. to, to build some character. Looking back... If I had ever gotten the opportunity that some of these young people have at the age of 20, 22, 24, I would not have been a good doctor mm -hmm. um, because I still had a lot of the suck that needed to get out of me. You know, I needed to learn some, some life lessons, needed to make some mistakes um, and, and almost earn the right to the privilege you know, of being called a doctor and working in this space. So the Dr. Coffee podcast, um, I didn't want to be... It's been known as the Simon Fraser podcast because it's not about me. It's about serving other junior doctors, helping them to learn some skills and learn some life lessons. Uh, and also everyone loves coffee, right? Even if yeah. you don't drink coffee, it's uh, everyone goes and uh, communes around some coffee and shares yeah. life around coffee. And um, yeah, and, yeah. So, so, and it's, it's bigger than me. So it's become this nice little brand on its own. We've got a cute yeah. mascot. Um, wow. So, <laughs> so that's the well, 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 I think on that note, I actually yeah. want to jump in because I know, I know medicine is such a tough um, you know, occupation and it, it's harsh hours. How do you find the time to be a full-time dad, husband, um, running this amazing podcast when, that you that you When I know how medicine. to do it well, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so... Two things. Um, number one, none of it would have been possible without my very supportive wife. Um, yeah. She's obviously had to carry a lot of the burden and strain. Medicine is a tough degree. I often say it's one of the toughest, if not the toughest degrees to to finish. It's, it's actually easier to get into medicine than to finish medicine. Because you can see the attrition rate is actually quite high. Guys get to like fifth year and they're like, this is not for me. I'm going to go do ac actuarial science or wow. accounting, you know. So... Um, Marriage can be an incredible resource and relationships can be an incredible resource. And your relationships and the people around you can either lift you up or pull you down. So my schedule is busy. Um, as an intern, you have a busy schedule, but it's also some, somewhat protected. You know, we have protected hours and there's less responsibility. You are there to learn after all. So I think get it'll, get, it'll get more difficult <laughs> as you climb the ladder. I'm under no kind of misgivings or misunderstandings that it will get harder um so yeah my wife is a great resource and then my faith um i know why i'm doing what i'm doing um and david goggins says when you reach the end of your rope you've only had 40 percent gone you know so you still have 60 percent to give and i'm not quite vomiting from exhaustion on call so no, I get you. <laughs> i've got more to give I get you. That's phenomenal. Um, Simon, you've, you've done some great work um, this past 12 to 14 months since the podcast has started. Um, I think Thanks, you've, you've, you've been giving back a lot to, to all the medical students, uh, people that's unsure of what path to choose. Um, and, and giving them basically, I don't want to say necessarily a voice, but allowing them the opportunity to have conversations with people mm -hmm. who they might be too scared to approach um, out of their own. Um, certain specialists, well-known people in your industry. Um, but apart from that, I think um, the podcast in itself has been a huge value add to these people. And I think the collaboration between Money and Medicine and Dr. Coffee, we, we share a similar vision um, in terms of where you want to empower them to make those informed decisions choosing a specific career path. Um, we've got a very similar passion in terms of educating them how to make informed financial decisions um, yeah. to plan their own plan. And I want us to, to, to unpack that a little bit, um, share a little bit about your, your personal journey and what you've experienced um, during this past two years of internship. Typical problems that you see um, people make um, okay. in terms of not paying 
a lot of attention to those kind of things, maybe going too quickly into decision. Um, but also, what was your experience from earning an income as an intern, managing the expenses from that perspective? You've got a, you've got certain um, financial responsibilities towards your family, which a lot of other people also have. How did you manage to deal with all of that? Yeah, I think first of all, thank you for um, that kind of lead into the question. Um, the podcast has been growing, and and I must say that one of the reasons I started the podcast is for my own benefit as well. Um, very quickly getting into medicine, everyone says to you, oh, you're going to specialize. What are you going to do after? And you realize that no one actually tells you wow. what courses to do. If you want to specialize in one thing, where should you do ComServe? When should you do uh, a diploma in this? You know, So that's kind of why the podcast runs. But also to talk about stuff like this, you know, so that you can learn from other people's pitfalls and perils and the things they've done wrong or the things that they've done right um, to pass on to others. Um, as you alluded to, my responsibilities now are obviously very different to most 24-year-olds. But I have learned some things the hard way. <laughs> so, for example, one of the mistakes I made was when we first got pregnant with our first baby, we were already homeowners. So we bought property early. I think it's a great thing for anyone to do, whether you, it's going to be an investment property or somewhere to live. Like buying property is yeah. a, a fairly safe investment. Um, and we were expecting our first baby and we were seven months pregnant and we got this like weird nesting instinct. We're like, we need to have a baby room. You know, we desperately yeah. need to have a bigger space. There was nothing wrong with the place that we were living in. But we went and bought a property off plan that we had never even seen because it wasn't finished yet. And then only when we moved in, we realized we were 50 meters away from the clubhouse that had pumping parties every single Friday and Saturday night. Okay, we were in ministry, so we were working early on a uh, Sunday morning and late on a Saturday, and we had a newborn baby. And I've got this, I'm like, okay, maybe not the best yeah. decision we could have made, right? So the lesson there is is to go in with your eyes open and to not rush and to do things a little bit more patient. Um, I know as an intern, many of the junior doctors have been struggling as a student, sometimes living on less than a grand a month. Mm. And now they suddenly get a very nice salary. And uh, people will say things like, oh, well, we've earned it, you know, and um, we're not paid enough for the work we do. Uh, some of the things we do are very <laughs> dehumanizing in a way. But the salary really is great, and it's a life-changing amount of money. Uh, one of the mistakes that we make is not seeking wisdom. Um, so people get all excited. They're like, what are you going to do with your first salary? Yeah. And I, I had responsibilities, so I was like, pay school fees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to pay for my kids' <laughs> education. You know? um, seeking advice, seeking wisdom. Um, and while you have the opportunity to put money away, because you speak to the junior interns, like, what are you putting into your RA every month? Like, What's an RA? Oh, yeah. it's money you'll get when you're 65. Like, Dude, it's 40 years away. Yeah. They don't start thinking. I mean, you, you start explaining to them that if you put money away now and you stop putting money away by the time you're 40, let's say, you will still have more money than if you started when you're 40. Correct. Yeah. You know? Correct yeah. we, so we've done that study before. We've done it before, yeah. And I think it's that quote that says people overestimate what they can do in a year, but they underestimate what they can do over 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And um, it's, it's so valid point. It's such a valid point that you've just made right. because we've seen so many, some of the students that we work with specifically on the campuses. So, so we're pretty much involved in most of the campuses in South Africa as well. And um, people just rushing into stuff. You know, it's, I have to make a decision and they rush into certain, certain decisions which impacts them financially, not only them, but also the people they love, their communities. Yeah. Um, because 70%, 80% of the, of the interns that we, or the students that we meet with that is on the verge of, of becoming an intern is first-generation professionals. So they, sure. they don't have someone to bounce ideas off with. You know, if, if it's like buying their first property or um, buying their first car, making those sort of decisions, which is life-changing decisions, they don't have someone to, to, to bounce that idea off from. And, and, and we see that quite often. So you, you mentioned the guys who are first-generation professionals. And, and in medicine, there's almost this weird dichotomy. You've got very few people in the middle. You've got a lot of people who are either coming from very humble backgrounds where they are going to not only change their own life by becoming a doctor, but to take lots of people with We've them. We've seen that, Joe. 
You also have people on the other end where they've had the best of everything. They've got to private schools. They've had international travel for holidays. Their parents had four or five cars. They had an A class as their first car and a trick kind of thing, right? And they, they don't know the value of a rand. Yeah. So they, they get this, this five-figure salary Very for the true. first time, and their parents are like, oh, you just do whatever you want with it because they don't need it. So their parents are like, it's yours, it's a blessing, just have fun. So they don't know the value of a rand. So on one end, you've got this tension where somebody's like, oh my gosh, this is more money that I'm used to handling. Yeah, that's a good point. And on the other hand, they're like, oh, it's, it's not really much, so they don't know the value of the rand, right? Mm. Um, very few people in the middle, it's kind of weird that way. Where wisdom comes in is knowing where you are on that spectrum and how you're going to manage, because no two people are the same. Exactly. So how are you going to manage yourself, finding yourself on that kind of continuum and then saying what decisions are you going to make so that you can further, in, uh, further down the line have financial freedom. And you need to decide what financial freedom means for you. For somebody, yeah. financial freedom might say, I want to send my kids to private school. For another person, financial freedom might say, I want to be able to buy a house, cash, one day. Yeah. You know? Or a car, cash, and not finances. So, so you decide for yourself, like, what does financial freedom look like? Because financial bondage is a hell. Mm. When you are now worried about, am I going to have enough for my debit orders? Am I going to have enough for my car payments? You know, because the mistake we make is, as our income increases, so our lifestyle does, mm -hmm. right? So you get a five grand a month extra, and you're like, oh, great! Now I can go buy, uh, buy a car that's five grand a month more. No, no, no! You've got more insurance. You're going to have more running costs. Maybe you've got an extra thousand rand a month for car payments. Yeah. But what are you going to do with that? The rest of the money, because if you're constantly living here, as soon as interest rates go up, you're drowning. Hundred percent. But if you're living here, and we and we've seen that the, the, this past year, eh? um, we've seen the effect of interest rates, and I, and I see a lot of clients who basically already extended themselves when they initially bought that vehicle. Okay, so yeah. they they said, listen, my budget is X amount. They extended themselves to to meet that budget, without knowing the effect of interest rates. But you mentioned something very important, and 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 we see it quite often is that the lack of financial knowledge, um, whether you grew up with money, um, it was always available, or whether you didn't grow up with money. Um, I think I'm, I'm still stunned by it, and, and it amazes me that people don't get educated on finance, that our schools don't teach people the basic principles of finance, and that any curriculum, uh, irrespective of what you study. And, and I've experienced it lately as well. I've met with a client last week, she's in a fortunate position where she's a dentist, um, finished ComServe and her dad actually bought a practice for her. Okay, So wow. there was two dentists about to retire. She was doing a little bit of locum work for it and they said to her, we are about to sell the practice within the next year. Um, and she comes from a very um, wealthy family. In fact, she, she uh, by her own admittance said to me that Werner, I've got no idea. I've got no knowledge about how to manage finances. The reason why I scheduled this meeting with you is... My dad bought his practice and he's basically said, now I'm on my own, okay? To this day, she's earning a really decent salary as an intern uh, or as a comp dentist. Uh, her dad was still paying her medical aid, still paying her car, wow. or car was paid, or still yeah. paying her insurance. She had no expenses, not even a cell phone, okay? And the thing about that is, I, I, why I'm mentioning this is, I, I almost want to let the audience know that you're not alone. Um, don't feel embarrassed if you don't know the answers to certain things. Mm. Um, we see it, whether you come from the best school or not a great school, mm. um, you're not alone. The majority of people, and you mentioned it as well, you, you on the spectrum of financial knowledge, you're either at the bottom or you know uh, quite a lot. There's no one in the middle. Um, and it's important to also understand that you don't have to make all of these big decisions at once. Um, you don't have to now all of a sudden Although it makes a big effect taking out a retirement annuity early on in life, okay? Don't just jump into it because you feel like it's the right thing to do. Gain some knowledge, read sure. up on it, um, listen to podcasts, understand the basic principles and of the it different types of retirement annuities and, and how yeah. to diversify oh, and yes. things like, you know, you could look at a five year horizon, yeah. 20 year horizon, 40 year horizon. Yeah. Both of you, just to switch kind of tech here, because now you've been asking me, I want to ask you some questions. Sure, sure. 
both of you came from backgrounds that weren't in the financial industry, right? You've now established money in medicine over the last eight years or so. You have a very strong base, very happy customers. You're getting into lots of medical schools and you've built a very strong brand around your values and your ethos and what you can offer to people. But you also had to learn at some point. So what was the journey for you in terms of learning how to manage your own money, but then also how to advise other people? That's a very personal thing when you're advising people how to yeah. work with it because money is time, mm. right? You're getting remunerated for your time and your time is your life. Yeah. So in a sense, you, you are being asked to advise people about how to spend what they got for their life. Yeah. Take it from there. Very true. Well, I, I, I think, first of all, I made a lot of mistakes. And I think those are the ones where I learned the most. Um, so when I talk about budget, it's because I didn't budget. When I talk about saving, it's because I didn't save. Um, so a lot of this stuff is stuff that I, that I, can, that I can honestly testify from like, first-hand experience. Um, nowhere in engineering, so I studied mechanical engineering, nowhere are you also exposed to finances. I think you know, if you do a little bit of project management or project engineering, you do work very closely to finances, um, and you do look at the numbers, and you are a little bit more aware to, you know, forecasting and you need to adhere to the to a certain budget and a costing model, et cetera, et cetera. So did it make you approach finances like you, a project, like the Stephen Wittmer project? This is my project. Um, I'm going to forecast costs. I'm going to forecast where I am at certain parts in the project. Was that yeah. how you approach finances? Yes and no. And I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm probably just being honest and, and vulnerable here, but I think sometimes if it's someone else's money, you're, you, you tend to, you're so scared to make a mistake and you're a little bit more risky. Or, I don't know if it's just my personality with your own money or a little bit more um, don't care attitude. So there, there was a stage when, and this is, this is when I started in the, in, the, in the financial planning industry already, initially had a very big insurance focus. And then obviously did qualifications like a postgrad in financial planning, advanced postgrad in in um, investment planning, wrote the board exams, certified financial wow. planner, um, and 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 after that journey, sort of like moved um, a bigger focus into the investment space, um, still focusing on insurance as well. But um, in 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 my journey, starting out as sort of like a junior advisor, uh, I did make a lot of money money mistakes, and I and I got to a point where I thought, well, I need to advise clients the way that I, I, I need to basically be practicing what I'm preaching um, because I can't tell a client, listen, you have to be debt free, but I'm sitting with credit card debt or you have to adhere to a budget, but I'm not adhering to a budget or, you know, the ba I'm just talking about basics here. And um, I'm a big believer of continuous, continuous learning. So reading a lot, I do read a lot and listening to podcasts, listening to a lot of, you know, if you've got somebody, <coughs> apologies like that, you feel, um, offers a lot of value and you start listening to that person, I would I would then listen to each and every single thing that I could get on that person mm. and try to first implement it and if it works, I'll then I'll then implement it back into my into my into the client space. So it's definitely not one book that I read and one course and then all of a sudden everything yeah, everything fell into place. Made a lot of mistakes, still making some mistakes, but I believe we um, it's also I'm also very fortunate to work with you know my best friend and 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 sort of business partner and 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 I think we also keep one another accountable and 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 we're trying to keep the brand accountable to say well we've got a we've got a duty as as, as financial advisors to educate medical doctors and to change the stigma we always say we want to change the stigma that medical doctors don't know anything about finances and 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 that has to start with us it has to start with us you know, you're going to come in here. Yeah. yeah, so from my side as well, I think um, the roots of, of it is we've made a lot of mistakes. And, yeah. and, and it's important that you learn from those mistakes and you help other people not to make the same mistakes. Um, as an example, I, st I studied um, BCom majoring in economics and then I did an LLB. So very similar like law school. Um, after you graduate, I had to do two years of articles. Um, at a stage, I was in a fortunate position. I had a paid-off vehicle. Um, and then all of a sudden... I wanted to impress. I think the biggest mistake a lot of people make with money, okay, or the root of the, the, the most mistakes people make with money is trying to impress others. Um, I was working at a, a very well-known law firm in Saxonwold in Rosebank, um, and on my first salary, I basically went and I traded in my paid-off car, okay, yeah. um, onto a brand-new BMW on a... They get, you get these guaranteed future value... 
payment plans. So I, I bought a brand new BMW in my first year of articles, okay, as a, as a candidate attorney, um, trying to impress the directors, trying to impress other people. But in actual fact, I was earning, I was driving a car worth 600,000 Rand, earning a salary of 8,000 Rand a month, okay? And I think the biggest lesson my dad learned to me at that stage, and, and I'm, I'm, st I'm, I'm quite grateful for that because he advised me against it, but he didn't stop me. Okay, because I think it's also to, to learn, learn from those mistakes. But he said to me, I must just remember one thing. Friends and other people only tell you once or twice you are driving a nice car. Okay? And you, then you are sitting off the installment thereafter. Mm. Mm. So the sad truth there was after the 36-month period, um, the guaranteed future value basically expired. And um, I had to buy the vehicle back from, from BMW, but I still wanted to have it. And I ended up paying double what I used to pay the first 36 months, okay? Oh for now, God. basically a second-hand vehicle. Wow. And the only reason why is because I tried to be flashy, tried to impress people. Wow. Um, and I think it's also, it's, it's something that we see quite often um, mm. with, with a lot of interns specifically. You mentioned earlier and said that they feel like they are underpaid and they've worked their butt off to, to basically um, earn this salary. So they are worthy of the salary mm. um, and I by no means mean that they shouldn't spend that money yeah. okay um, I think if you if you want to reward yourself and buy certain stuff that you've always aspired to have or were dreaming about go buy those Nike Air Force ones okay go buy yourself a fully kitted tracksuit as an example that costs 3,000 Rand or whatever the case may be okay yeah. get it out of your system um, but I think just being aware of the fact that don't do it for the sake of impressing other people. Yeah. Um, because other people, you, they're not going to like you more just because you're driving a flashy car um, at the end of the day. Um, and that's something that I've learned. And I think it also comes with time. Um, the older you get, you, the more you start realizing it. Um, and I think the important thing is to to have people that, that will keep you accountable. Um, that they have a solid network of people that you realize what is important in life? As an, I'll, I'll use a simple example. Um, uh, one of my vehicles are now paid off. Um, both of them are more than five years. So you're past that time of being flashy. You actually focus on the stuff that's important to you. Yeah, I think context is so important. I mean, you obviously speaking from a particular context. I'm speaking from a context, and it's coloured by our experience. And you know, for me, I'm earning more money now than I've ever earned in my entire life. And that's for somebody who's been working since the age of 16. Obviously, the first jobs I had, I was like an in-store promoter. I was a waiter. You didn't earn a lot of money, but it was yeah. a nice... It was something, yeah. It was something. You know, I paid for my, my first degree, my BSc. I paid my chunk towards, because my mom paid half and I paid half. I paid my chunk towards that and had a little bit of spending money by bartending three nights a week. Wow. And so I, I knew the value of that degree because I worked for it, right? And, and all of the time that I've worked, I've never made as much money as I have now as an intern doctor. So that's why I'm like, wow, what an incredible opportunity. Because when I was in working in a, in a ministry in a church, if there was something that needed to happen, bear in mind this was before cloud computing and things like that, if there was something that needed to happen and a deliverable due the next day, if I needed to go to the office at 12 o'clock and get something off my computer you know, at midnight, I did it, right? Yeah. And, and so when somebody goes like, oh, you know, we, we're not earning a lot as doctors. Oh, my guys, you're earning in the top 1% of the yeah, country. Yeah. You're earning a phenomenal salary. Um, so it sounds so insensitive when I say to somebody like, oh, stop complaining. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, is that, like you're saying, don't rush out and try and impress somebody with the money that you got now because it's just the beginning of your, of your journey. Um, the, there's a saying, act your wage. You know, so buying a six hundred thousand rand car when you're only earning eight thousand is not acting your wage. You know, mm. um, you don't want somebody to be so impressed, and then as they turn their back, you're struggling. Like, how am I going to put petrol in this vehicle? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I've got yeah. this expensive car, I can't fuel it. And, and and we'll share we'll share the link afterwards. But basically, we did a we did a um, a lot of study on this. Basically, cash flow it comes down to cash flow, and 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 we did a, an episode on what we call the money game. Mm -hmm. which is basically the four quadrants of cash flow. Everything starts with income, goes through expenses, liabilities, and then assets in the, in the, in the last quadrant. And I think the big mistake we make is everybody is, as the income goes up, 
it's just society and the fast-paced world that we live in um, sort of forces you to to start increasing your expenses and your liabilities. And I think a lot of people confuse um, a liability for an asset. You know, to your point, and I'm not having a go at you, but to your point on the on the property that you bought, yeah, sort of like you know, not having that wisdom to say, well, I think I'm buying this property; it might still be a good asset. Well, at that stage, it was actually a liability. The, an asset is defined as something that puts money in your pocket in your absence. So, so, and I and I think that's a big mistake we we see with a lot of not only medical professionals but with a lot of professionals is getting confused with income and an asset and a liability and an asset. It's like you want to aspire to a work optional lifestyle where your asset quadrant can literally replace the income quadrant, and that's that's part of what we do. There's another chapter of that story with the buying of the property. So there we are with the newborn baby, thumping, <laughs> okay. thumping music, rattling the windows every weekend, right? We got pregnant with our second child a year later. So now we had bought this property off plan. The developers still had units that they were selling off plan. And we now were like, we needed a bigger house. <laughs> so we went to... So you guys obviously learned from your mistake. No, no. <laughs> we've learned. So, so they bought 150 meters from the clubhouse, not 50 meters from the clubhouse. So, so we went... Also, okay, a bit of context. Uh, we were very fortunate enough to inherit a large sum of money, almost a million rand, Okay. at the same time as finding out we were pregnant with our second child. So then we were in the situation where... We are in a two-bedroom apartment, 50 meters away from the clubhouse. It's not working out, but we have the means to do something about it. And then we put all of that money into a deposit on a three-bedroom house in a complex, freestanding property. That was, honestly, if I could take anything back, I would have not bought this two-bedroom and would have waited to do the the three-bedroom thing. When it comes to property, your first house will never be your dream house. So let's just establish true, that, yeah. right? Your, your dream house might be house number three or four down the line. Yeah. That's going to be your forever home that you're going to run out the whole bond in for 20 years, you know, unless you move or uh, there's a new term, semigrating, when people move to, to another yeah. side of the country, yeah. the Republic of the Western Province. <laughs> um, the, the other thing is also, I don't want to be too discouraging about like nice things, right? I think if you if you're wise with your money and you get to enjoy your money, there's something to be said for having nice things in your, in your life because when you're surrounded by nice things, it does do something for your soul. Yeah, it does do true. something for you as a person when you have nice clothes and you have nice shoes. And I'm not saying you need to have a wardrobe with 47 different outfits, right? You can have five really nice outfits. And those five outfits just do something for your persona, for your confidence, because especially in the, the way the world is now, it's all about image. You know, people are posting their best their best foot forward on their yeah. Instagram profile. So you're fooled if you think that you can just live like a pauper and get by as a great doctor. People will look at your social media accounts. They will look at how you carry yourself. What car do you drive? And if you're driving a beat-up old Jetta from the 1980s, they're going to see that as a reflection of you as a professional. Yeah. So it is a, a, an element of wisdom and a bit of a balancing act. So, I mean, I say this because I've just bought my dream car which is 10 years old and um didn't cost that much but i have felt different as a person yeah driving this nice vehicle that i worked hard that this is the fruits of my labor i'm like wow i really am blessed to be in this position and i think there's also to your point you know you mentioned yeah i I think that is mentioned the nikes um so if you want to buy that those nikes well not why not save three months and then buy them cash but it is like, you know, and financial institutions actually enhance this is to say, well, buy it immediately on your credit card and then you get a good credit score by paying the, that off. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's sort of a catch-22 because in the one end, you do want to get a good credit score. And, you know, we've had a conversation on that as well. But on the other side, you don't want to encourage it to the extent where your credit card is just running away because yeah. there's this Afrikaans saying, which is it's, this, it's the small foxes that actually, you know, destroys the whole, the whole farm. And... Um, it's those small little bit of bits and pieces that you buy on your credit card, which just over time snowballs. It's not the once off 50K or 40K and then paying that off. I'm not talking about that because that is something that, okay, you can see it immediately and you can make an informed decision. I'm talking about continuously using it unwisely because you just think the money will come from somewhere. And we meet with regis, consultants, they've got nothing to show but a massive credit card that is in debt. 
So there's three elements that stand out from what you said there, right? So let's first talk about before I forget the one that you spoke about having nothing to show, and you've like always trading on the future value. Like we always yes. think the future is going to be more profitable than it is, right? Nobody saw COVID nineteen happening. In, on, on the 31st of December 2019, people were going out and getting exorbitant bonds and loans and opening new businesses and stuff. Into March 2020, people were taking on credits to fund new adventures. And then the, the pandemic happened and, and people lost their livelihoods, right? Not saying that this will necessarily happen again in our lifetime, but the important thing there is that we always forecast ahead better than, yes. than it will be, right? And, and you alluded to earlier that our life will increase. So what happens when kids come along? You know, so now when you're 24, 25, 26, as a junior doctor, when you don't have that responsibility, save. Save so that when you do have a child, you're not stressed out about how to pay for nappies because nappies are expensive. You should actually get get a bigger flex. Um, <laughs> if your child is wearing Aggies, yeah. um, then the, driving the a fancy vehicle. We should get box. them to sponsor these podcasts because yeah. we've been supporting <laughs> them. Yeah. You know, when you walk into babysits and you're like, I'll take three of those Pampers boxes, yeah. and everyone's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the other thing that I wanted to touch on is you spoke about the game, you know, the money game. And yes, all of the financial institutions, credit cards, things like that will offer you this credit and stuff. There's a lot of gamesmanship involved there as well. You know, so if, for example, if it's, I don't want to mention names, but certain credit cards will say, here's a great discount on your flight if you use our credit card. Yes. Use that, leverage that to your advantage. Um, because you're a young professional, people are falling over themselves to give you this credit and if, to provide you the service. You, you are a marketable asset to all of these banks and institutions, right? So leverage that to your advantage and say, okay, fine. If I sign on with you, what are the benefits? And, and look at your uh, personality and your interests. If you're somebody yes. who wants to travel overseas, then look at what the offerings are from all of these banks and credit cards in terms of will you save money? Because sometimes you will. Mm. You'll, just by using their credit card, you'll be able to pay for a flat or you'll be able to fund one aspect of your life. Um, what was the other thing that I wanted to do? You, you said something that really jogged my mind. I was like, man, that's something I want to dig into. I'll probably remember it, but I think... So I, I, I want to add on, to, I want to add, while you're thinking, I want to add on what you said about playing the game. Um, we, we often use the analogy of playing a game of chess um, and, and the money game is very similar. Um, I think what, what I want to get across is by playing a money game, okay, it takes practice to actually get it perfect. Um, and there are certain rules and guidelines which you have to follow to be successful in the money game. It's like playing any game. doesn't matter what a game is. Although, let's say, the game might bring a lot of satisfaction and joy, you first need to understand how to play that. And the more you play the game, and the more, you mis more mistakes you make, and the better you'll get at it at the end of the day. If you think about playing a game of rugby or netball, okay, the more you're going to practice shooting the hoop, the better you'll be getting at it. Okay? At first, you're going to miss the hoop. Mm. But the more you're going to practice doing it, fixing your stance, maybe fixing your grip, the better you'll get at it. It becomes yeah. muscle memory, yeah. right? And you mentioned credit cards now. As um, I think certain financial institutions offer great rewards with those things. But understand the basics, how to benefit from it. Yeah. Don't just go buy a plane ticket, <laughs> okay, to go to Cape Town yes. to make use of the discount, yeah. but you can't actually afford yeah. basically paying for it. Because then you're going to get yourself basically buy yourself bankrupt on a bargain. Okay? Yeah. Because now you're buying a bargain and like you don't it. have the buy money. Buy yourself bankrupt on the bargain. Uh, my, 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 my mom always used to say it because you'll get to a sale, yeah. you'll get to a sale and say, listen, I've got 500 rand for a t-shirt as an example when we were little. Okay? Now all of a sudden you get to Edgar's or wherever, now it's less 50. But now I said, okay, this is actually such a good bargain. I'm taking four, four shirts for a thousand. <laughs> Your yeah. budget is 500, but now yeah. you're going to extend yourself to a thousand just Jeez. because it's a sale. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's the, sales that, a four letter word in our household. Is like, it? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I, I remember now what I was going to say, um, because you were speaking about credit cards and things like that. One of the best pieces of advice I could give to any medical students or young person out there is build a bit of a credit score before you need it, and it's so easy to do. All you need to do is go to one of the um, clothing retailers. In my case, I went to True Words because True Words has like w suits and smart clothes and things, right? You're always going to get invited to 
a graduation ball or a matric dance or a wedding or something and you need a tie or you need a smart shirt, right? And you buy just one item. Let's say it's a shirt for 400 rand, okay? That's an expensive shirt, right? But you buy that one item and you pay it all for the, over the six months. You have now only paid, what's that, about 80 rand per month for that shirt, but you've paid it off. You've demonstrated that you can pay something off. And I mean, eventually they'll be like, can we extend your line of credit to 50,000? You don't need that line of credit. But the fact that you have built up that trustworthiness, no. that is going towards your credit score. So little things, you know, when you're 21, you can go get a clothing account. In the beginning, they'll give you a thousand rand limit. But, yeah. And I'm not saying max out the thousand rand either, right? Just pay it all faithfully and then you grow it so that eventually when you want to get a cell phone contract, when you want to get a line of credit to open a, a practice, it's, it's scaled up. Yes. You know? I, often, I often tell clients, um, so I, I like to do this, I, when I get paid my income, it goes into my current account, the primary account, and then I just leave enough money in there for my debit orders. So my debit orders runs off there, then the balance that's left, I transfer into a savings account, okay? It sits there for the rest of the month, then I mainly use my credit card for monthly expenses. So you incur credit over the month, okay? Still within a, within a budget, and then at the end of the month, you just repay that credit. Mm. It also shows a healthy behavior mm. in terms of repaying it. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of ways that you could do it. I think that's mm. important is just, just read up on it and educate yourself. You and I have a very similar approach, I think, to how to conduct your personal finances, right? So that I make sure that all my debit orders go off first. So in the beginning of the month, I'm quite frugal about like, until the fourth, <laughs> I'm not sure what's going to happen, right? Afterwards, I'm like, okay, great. This is how much I have um, left. Out of that, you then have to pay yourself first. So then you put some savings aside. And that could be savings towards an emergency fund. It can be savings Very towards true, a yeah. holiday. Right now, it's September. So we're saving towards Christmas already because our kids have, they've got once, man. Yeah. <laughs> They're 21st century <laughs> kids. And... Um, and then towards the end of the month, you have a little bit of a buffer, right? But if at the beginning of the month, you go, yes, and you spend willy-nilly, and then like, may the best debit order win. <laughs> yeah, no. Look, and I think this is a bit of a, um, um, a 180 in terms of where we are in terms of the topics, but I want to ask you a question. I've always been wondering, how tough is internship in South Africa? Because we always, we always when we work with, with medical doctors, um, they stress about their finances, which we've which we've just unpacked and discussed a little bit. Mm. But they also have this this lack of resources, and yet they still have to save life lives. You know, these these patient to doctor ratio is is outrageous compared to where it should be. Um, mm. We see communication communication gaps as well, where you know doctors working in rurals where not necessarily you know the community can understand the doctor, the doctor can understand the community. So we see. We see all these challenges. How tough is it working as a medical intern in South Africa? That's, that's a great question. So I'm going to be honest and candid and say that internship is definitely one of the top four hardest things I've ever done in my life. Wow. Okay. The other hardest things are the fact that we had three premature babies in hospital. Okay. So all of our kids have been premature and whatever. So outside of having a child in the hospital, internship is the next thing in my, li in my life. That's the hardest thing. Sure. It's harder than the doozies I've done because I've done doozy canoe yeah, 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 right? we spoke about that. Like right now I'm reading David Goggins and he's like a mentality monster and he's like, I love the suck, I love the pain. And I'm trying to get into that mindset. And I think you have to have a little bit of that in you to be resilient through internship. That being said though, internship is quite protected in a sense, you are still there to learn. So you don't have all the responsibility. Internship is what you make it. So if you want to get your hands messy and you want to dive into the recess and intubate patients and stuff, you can get that. Not everybody is going to be an emergency medicine physician or you know a neurosurgeon. Some people will go and be a GP. Some people will go be a clinical pathologist and not actually interact with patients. For the people who want to do non-clinical work with their medical degree, I think internship is going to be very hard um, because you are forced to get in the, the muck and the blood and the guts. And it builds something in you. It definitely does. As a student, you get exposed to stuff, but let's be, be honest, you never do a 30-hour call when you're a student, right? Yeah. You know, when you're a student, you're like, oh, I'm so tired. I worked until 10 o'clock last night. And the intern is just looking at them like, 
I've worked 30 hours straight. Um, Internship is hard, but it's an incredible blessing to be supervised and work in, I think, one of the best countries in the world um, for exposure. You know, when you go to countries overseas, the the rumors in the corridors about, oh, he was a Barrow intern, or you know, he was he was in the South African medical school. It's like we are internationally respected and we are sought after because we get to do amazing stuff. I'm a huge fan of internship. So you get your awesome. two years of guaranteed employment if if you get in, because there's all those and we're not going to dive into that, but there's lots of challenges with people not getting posts and things like get that. You. That's that's one thing. That that gets my goat, by the way, because a lot of the problems, you're talking patient-to-doctor ratios and things like that. I'm like, just hire the doctors that are qualified. We, yeah. we need to, to hire the doctors. Um, and then there's community service, right? So for three years, you're learning and growing and developing your professional space. Um, the hardest stuff about internship that I have experienced has been more the South Africa challenges. So you are treating a patient, making them well, and then sending them out into a society that made them sick in the first place. So there's only so many times that you can stitch up a guy's head where you're like, what is going on in society that this guy's coming with a bottle in his face every week? Yeah. You know? Um, as a as a like general rule now, I will not go out late at night um, if people have been drinking and stuff. Just it's it's terrible because we've seen the effects. Sure. Um, yeah. So internship is rough. Definitely the hardest thing I've done, but I have loved every single second of it because I believe in what we're doing. I believe in what uh, why I'm doing it. Um, I'm able to provide for my family. Uh, I see the way forward, and I'm a South African, not a South African. So I'm not like oh, this is awful. Yeah, you know, um, anyone can go into a space and complain. Any fool can break things down. It takes it takes real effort to build something up. And if we as junior doctors have that mindset and that attitude of like, okay, guys, let's embrace the suck together. Don't pull each other down. Um, you know, sometimes a junior doctor gets successful or they get some kind of like, um, let's say the Dr. Coffee podcast. And people are like, oh, the Dr. Coffee podcast. Like, I'm literally just an intern doctor, guys. I'm part of the team. Um, people try to pull people down. And like, oh, what do you have that I don't, whatever. Instead of building each other up and looking, how can we be collaborative? How can we build a stronger team mindset? Because there's not a lot of team in doctor. You know, uh, where I am, many times you're the only intern on call for an entire department. So you get quite lonely. Uh, two o'clock uh, in the morning when the ward is phoning you, doctor, we need a drip. And you're like, oh, and you don't have anyone to talk to about it. Um, so I'm trying to maybe through the podcast change it a bit so that people see that they're not alone, see that um, we can we can hold each other up, you know. Simon, we are we are getting um, to the end of the podcast. Um, I I want to ask you um, for the students that's about to start internship. Mm. Okay, what's the best advice that you can give them to help them to prepare for the next two years? That's a great question. Um, so I think the first thing is that internship will be what you make it. So if you have an interest in something, dive in and, and state that interest. Say, hey, listen, I'm really interested in anesthetics, for example, and then you'll get opportunities within anesthetics. Remember that you're there to learn, so embrace that. Um, there's less academic pressure. There's no exams to study for, so enjoy that as well. Like when you finish work, if you're tired, go home and rest. Even as much as people will say like, no, you really need to go home and read a textbook, you, when you're at work, be at work. So, like, don't be on your phone. Uh, I'm terrible, actually. I'm trying to rein myself in. I get so distracted by my, my cell phone. But when you're at work, be present at work. And when you're not at work, it's not your responsibility. There are other doctors on duty. You must go home and rest. So that's, that's my first um, uh, piece of advice. The second thing that the podcast has taught me, and I'm so grateful for this lesson, is start to plan your, your trajectory while you're doing internships. Start thinking... Next year, the year after, what do I want to achieve? Where do I want to be? So l l now I'm in second year of internship. So I'm already starting now with my courses and things like that because those accreditations lapse after four years. So there's no point doing ACLS and ATLS in your first three months of internship because then you're only going to have two years at the end of internship to make use of it. But now that I'm coming towards the end of internship, I'm starting to get those accreditations so that, number one, I have the knowledge and the skills, but number two, I'm going to be a marketable, employable doctor when I enter, um, let's say I leave 
ComServe and I'm unemployed, I'm going to enter the private sector and I can go to an ED and I can say, yes, I do have these things. So, so start planning that. And I think an important part of that is setting money aside because those courses do cost money. Great, yeah. So if you want to do ACLS, it's a four and a half grand, you know. If you want to do BLS, it's a little bit cheaper. It's 1,500. But, but these are courses that if you haven't budgeted for it, you're not going to find five grand yeah. just lying around. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah, that you basically advice. have to plan. Um, like we always say, you have to plan and your plan. plan. And guys, it's, it's been wonderful to have this conversation with you. And I must say that it, one of the enduring memories I have of meeting you guys and chatting with you guys is that right at the outset, I remember um, I, I came into the boardroom at WITS to, to speak to you, Stefan, and to kind of speak about the financial uh, future. And I was very clear. I said, look, I know a little bit. I've, I'm an older student. I've done this journey. And I also want to be kind of loyal to the people that... Um, have been advising us in the past. I don't want to kind of just move from them yeah. to money and medicine. And you guys went over and above to say, that's fine. You don't need to sign anything with us. Let us just do a little bit of research, find out about you, ask some questions to see what it is that you want to achieve, what financial freedom looks like for you. And you put together a whole document, a whole portfolio, and said, hey, this is something to think about in five years' time. This is what you should look at. And what I appreciate about, appreciate about that is that it was all that education aspect that you guys touched on is that you you weren't looking at like can we get a client you were like can we empower a junior doctor a, a young health professional with a bit of knowledge because there is such a lack and there is that stigma like you said that the medical doctors know lots about managing portal hypertension and how to handle a DKA how to triage a patient but they can't triage their finances yeah right so I really appreciate that Money Medicine creates a platform like this where we can have discussions and conversations and where we can be open and say, I mean, I, I certainly haven't gotten it right. I'm 38 years old with minimal money to my name right now because it's all invested in my family, right? But if I can pass on some lessons to a 24-year-old, so about the time they're 38, they go, gosh, I'm so glad I learned those lessons early on because look where I am now. Yes, true. Awesome, guys. Thank well, you for thanks. the conversation. Thanks. Thanks, Dr. Coffee. Thanks, Faris. Thanks, Simon. Lovely, gents. Well, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you were encouraged, motivated, educated, and inspired. If you'd like to reach out to the podcast, our email address is drcoffeeza at gmail.com. That's D-R-Coffee-Z-A with no punctuation marks. You can also check us out on social media. Our Instagram account is at drcoffeeza. And you can also find us on YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook. Let us know what you thought of the episode and if there's any way we can improve or any topics that you'd like us to discuss, as well as any consultant guests you'd like us to interview. There's still a wide range of specialities we haven't covered in our Coffee with Consultants feature. Thank you so much for your support of the podcast and keep on listening. Bye for now.